Is America the beautiful about to become America the banana republic? The times are changing and a USA first as President Trump awaits to be indicted by a Manhattan district attorney who seems willing to prosecute no one other than the former president. We discussed the indelible imprint of George Soros as well on the justice system in our country. And I'm here to tell you that inclusivity is a lie. You're only included if you're just like them. Welcome to your favorite night of the week, the deep end of Tim Hatch live. Welcome in everybody. Tuesday night, 730. It is episode six. No, episode 26 of season six on the deep end. And if you would hit that like button and the subscribe button and the notification bell to get notified every time we go live, you never want to miss any of our content because YouTube might take it down 30 minutes after it is posted. Yeah, inclusivity, um, the news, politics going on all over the world. And um, we got to discuss something and we got to discuss something that's actually very good news. Because Christianity is the only way that people get saved. It really is the only way that people get changed. And I want to talk to you about something really good that happened in Florida, actually in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, this week. And I'm only going to lead off with this item because the rest of the episode has a potential to seriously trigger many of you. So let's do really good news. Really, really, really good. That's really good news. It's good. Here's the good news. The good news out of CBN News is a man was exonerated after serving a shocking 400-year sentence. Um, And his Christian faith says he refuses to have hate and anger after his release. Sidney Holmes, 57, uh, the article says, a free man Monday evening after prosecutors looked into the circumstances around his conviction and determined it was on shaky ground. This is CBS News reporting. But it's also what Holmes said after his release that was particularly powerful. A forgiving response after decades of being separated from his friends and loved ones prevented him from having a career of life uh, or a life of his own that truly stands out. He says, what would MAD do for me? With the Christian faith I have, he says, I just can't have hate. Just have to keep moving. Uh, Sidney Holmes is an inspiration to us all. I encourage you to look up his story and listen to his um, own personal testimony as he is interviewed. This man was robbed of 34 years of life for a crime that he did not commit. And he was only the driver for an armed robbery. Uh, Now, I know armed robbery is bad. And if you're involved in it, yes, you should go to prison. Absolutely. However, uh, when you consider the sentence that was handed down to Sidney Holmes, I think back in 1988 or whatever it was, it's kind of shocking when you look at the justice system of today. And that is going to bring me to a segment we haven't done in a while called Politics. Let's talk about it. So what's got me politicked is this. Uh, we are waiting right now. Trump grand jury live updates according to uh, this is NBC, I believe. Waiting game on looming indictment on porn star Stormy Daniels payoff. So yes, Donald Trump, the first president ever in history to be arrested, to be frog marched in handcuffs into a jail and uh, fingerprinted and then um, photographed, you know, with those mug shots. This would be really significant in our 246 year history, friends. It's never been done before. Uh, This all began on Friday when Trump sent out a message on his social media platform, Truth Social, stating that he could be arrested in Manhattan by Tuesday, that is today, uh, and called for protests and supporters to rally around him and take back the country. Of course, that actually beckons whether or not this is all pumped up by the media so that there is some type of January 6th event again. 
I don't know. I've got a lot of thoughts. We're going to get to them, but let me just get to the details first. The charge against Trump is for a hush money payoff to porn star Stormy Daniels, $130,000 that he paid to her through Michael Cohen, his lawyer, in 2016 for an alleged sexual affair, consensual sexual affair, in 2006 while his wife Melania was pregnant with Barron. Uh, this news out of CBS reporting that the DA in Manhattan saw the case against Trump as potentially charge ready for years. Now, that is incredibly important for us to understand because the former DA in Manhattan refused to bring these charges against Trump, saw that there was really no legitimacy to them. There is a statute of limitations uh, for this um, crime or for this potential crime. It is a two-year statute, and so that would have run out in 2018. Uh, This DA, uh, Alvin Bragg, is willing to escalate the charges from misdemeanor to felony so that he can prosecute the former president. And mind you, he campaigned on going after the president, much like many other politicians have done in New York City and around the country. But this current DA in New York, Alvin Bragg, he's been waiting for this charge for years. He has got his, (laughs) he's got a, 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 um, something against the former president. He he wants to bring these charges. No one else was willing to, and the charges are sketchy at best. And even Michael Avenatti, uh, Stormy Daniels' former lawyer who is now serving time for <laughs> robbing her of all kinds of money, tweeted from jail that when the evidence is presented, Trump is going to be exonerated. You need to know about this man, Alvin Bragg. Um, he is a pass-on-crime district attorney in Manhattan, a place where crime regularly happens. He was elected as Manhattan's first black district attorney and um, put in office in January of 2022, following his election in November of 2021. He was supported financially, uh, rather incredibly financially, by George Soros. And we're going to take him on in just a moment. But he immediately went to work upon taking office in supporting criminals. Uh, This is from his Wikipedia page on January 4th, 2022, three days after being in office. He announced that his office would no longer prosecute low-level offenses such as fair evasion, resisting arrest, prostitution, and cannabis-related misdemeanors unless accompanied by a felony charge. He also decided to seek lesser charges for burglaries and store robberies where the offender displays a dangerous instrument but does not create a genuine risk of physical harm. On January 20th, Bragg disputed what he described as... Uh, what uh, sorry disputed what he described was a legalistic interpretation of a prosecution policy menu memo and indicated that he supported a zero tolerance policy for violent crimes. This is a soft on crime district attorney that has been elected to one of the highest offices in any of our cities in the country and currently is doing a terrible job. Here is the memo that uh, Braggs sent out. It's called the day one memo uh, that his office would no longer prosecute in New York marijuana misdemeanors. Um, paying for public transport, resisting arrest, prostitution. Roughly a month after coming under fire for these new policies, Bragg uh, backtracked on some of the most controversial ones, but the lawless damage was already starting to take shape. News out of the DailyMail.com revealed woke Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg has downgraded over half of felony cases to misdemeanors as criminals are free to roam streets of the Big Apple. Uh, Some stats here. Under Bragg's leadership, convictions are happening at 51% of the time, down from 68% before the pandemic. Bragg declined to prosecute 35% more felony cases this year than was prosecuted in 2019. And he only convicted 29% of misdemeanors so far this year compared to 68% in 2019. This is the um, common ideology of the wokeism 
movement that sprung from George Floyd's death and the Black Lives Matters protests, that if we just stop punishing criminals, if we stop being harsh on crime, then crime will subside. The reason why we have so many criminals is because our laws are too stringent and people um, are vindictive who, uh, you know, prosecute the criminals and many, many of them are racist. And so if we just take those laws and those prosecutions down, then lawless, lawlessness will go away. We will have a utopia. We will have a perfect city in which to live. Well, the facts speak otherwise. This is from the New York State Police Department. Crime in New York City is rising almost in every category. It is up overall at almost 30% year over year from 2021 to 2022. So there you go. There you have it. You're soft on crime. And guess what you get? You get more crime. Who would have thought? Who would have thought that if you stop prosecuting criminals, you would get more criminals? It just doesn't seem to make sense. I don't know what what's wrong with people who are committing crimes. Didn't they realize that they they're not going to be prosecuted anymore? <laughs> you see, friends, we believe what 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 the scriptures teach about the Roman sword, the Roman sword, or the or the civil authority's sword. In the in the case of Romans chapter thirteen, it was the Roman sword, but today it is the United United States sword or the Manhattan sword. The the authorities, the civil authorities, who are there to hold criminals accountable. The scripture says they don't bear the sword for nothing. If you want to live well, if you want to live in peace, then do no wrong. Like don't rob, don't steal, don't attack people physically. You know, this is important for us to understand as criminals. If you are soft on crime, you get more crime and you get more crime in the very neighborhoods where minorities tend to live. And all the reports and all the statistics prove that minority um, dominated uh, communities want more police, not less. I don't understand where this philosophy comes from. It has to come from a white liberal at Harvard or Yale because <laughs> the black people in the streets, and I've talked to some, do not want less pro uh, police. They want more policing. They want safe streets, safe communities. Anyway, um, New York is a mess under Bragg's leadership. Shortly after his appointment in January 2022, a 35-year-old man leaped behind the counter of a bodega and attacked a 61-year-old shop worker last summer. The bodega worker grabbed a knife and fended off the attacker, killing him while sustaining stab wounds of his own from the attacker's girlfriend who had instigated the conflict. What did Bragg's office do? You'll never believe this. He charged the bodega owner with murder and did not bring any charges against the girlfriend who attacked the bodega owner after he killed the assailant. This, my friends, is lawlessness. This is time of judges kind of stuff. And you have to ask yourself, how did Bragg get this position? How did he get to the, this very important position in the city of New York? Well, that's due in large part to money from a guy named George Soros. George Soros, if you watch any kind of right-wing news, you know he's the favorite villain of the right-wing news outlets such as Fox News and Breitbart. But are Fox News and Breitbart right about him? We did our own research. And the fact is, yeah. Alvin Bragg's campaign received generous contributions from the notorious anti-American billionaire George Soros. Soros gave $1 million in only one donation, there's many others, to Bragg's campaign through the Color of Change PAC, Political Action Committee. Now, Color of Change, this is a very Black Lives Matter-esque kind of organization. When I talk about Black Lives Matter, I'm talking about the organization, the organization that wanted to deconstruct the nuclear family, that is the mother-father family, who wanted to elevate trans and queer voices, who wanted to eradicate capitalism and institute socialism. And all that happened was it created one very rich capitalist 
named Patrice Cullors, who ran the Black Lives Matter organization. But this, uh, this Color of Change organization, very, very similar. You can see there on its website that it exists to challenge racist and anti-progressive Trump administration and state policies. This is the organization through which George Soros funneled $1 million to Alvin Bragg's campaign for district attorney of Manhattan. So this is an organization that has a stated goal to attack Trump's policies, and it was funded by George Soros to make sure that Trump's rights were attacked, his liberties were attacked, and he would eventually be prosecuted for a crime that is now past the statute of limitations, even if it is a crime, if it is even a crime. Yeah, this is Banana Republic stuff. Who is George Soros? Let's talk about that as well. He is worth $8.6 billion. He was born in Hungary in 1930. He was nine years old when World War II broke out. His father, Tivadar Soros, uh, had changed their last name from Schwartz, very Jewish name, to Soros. Uh, when they lived in Hungary, as they saw the rise of anti-Jewish sentiment in the country of Hungary. And George assumed a non-Jewish identity. In fact, he became a Christian in name, at least, to pose or by posing as the grandson or the godson of a Hungarian agriculture minister bureaucrat named Bombach. His job was taking inventory of Jewish properties confiscated by the Nazis during their occupation of Hungary in the 1940s. That's kind of crazy if you think about that. Uh, he is in charge of taking inventory of Jewish property as Nazis occupied his home country. He is asked about this on a 60 Minutes interview, and here was his admission to participating in those actions. Watch. My understanding is, is that you went out with this protector of yours who swore that you were uh, his adopted godson. Yes, yes. Went out, in fact, and helped in the confiscation of property from the Jews. That's right. Uh, yeah, so he readily admitted this on national television. How did he get rich, by the way? Because he is, like I said, worth $8.6 billion. He got rich by banking on the failures of banking systems, something that we're experiencing right now in our country. Watch who gets rich from all of these fallouts that are currently being funded by the government, the bailouts being funded by the government for SVB and uh, Signature Bank. So he shorted the British pound in 1992 on what is called Black Wednesday in the UK. He saw a bubble forming and bet against the Bank of England privately while taking up the strength of the British pound publicly. So this is, you know, classic um, hedge fund manager stuff. You, you build up the stock, build up the stock, build up the stock in interviews and in commentating and in, you know, your own public speeches. And then all the while you're accumulating bets against the stock so that when it eventually collapses and the bubble bursts, you make a boatload of money and everybody else loses. Well, this, this bet against the British pound paid off for George Soros. He made $1 billion on one day and literally bankrupt the British government temporarily, at least, and caused the Bank of England to almost collapse. He is now known as the man who broke the Bank of England. Again, very similar stuff to what we saw in 2008 uh, with those who bet against the housing market, and right now with the Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank and others. By the way, the CEO of Signature Valley, Signature, I'm sorry, Silicon Valley Bank was selling his shares at record profits just before the collapse. He's now hiding in Hawaii. I wonder what politicians he'll support later on in life, as he probably will avoid any kind of prosecution like George Soros did. Anyway, from 2016 to 2020, Soros paid at least $131 million to influence at least 253 journalists and activist media groups to promote far left views on, check this out, abortion, economics, the police, environmentalism, LGBT ideology, 
and anti-Americanism. This guy literally hates you, and he is willing to pay money to destroy the country that you belong to. Ken, like I said, he spent money on uh, Alvin Bragg. He spent money more than just on Alvin Bragg's campaign. He spent money on 40 uh, uh, sorry, several other district attorneys, up to $40 million getting very soft on crime district attorneys uh, elected to office in very liberal cities throughout the United States. Again, this includes Manhattan. <coughs> Excuse me. So you have, if you're not paying attention right now, you have an anti-American, anti-conservative, anti-Trump, former Nazi-enabling Hungarian billionaire empowering the election of, a, of the very man set to indict the former president. This my friends, is why I say America the Beautiful is becoming America the Banana Republic. Soros is also the founder of the World Economic Forum, an organization that I absolutely despise, a corrupt European organization led by the Bond villain Klaus Schwab. And he is pushing NATO to uh, go to war with Russia. Why? Why is this guy always trying to disrupt the status quo and the peace of civilization? Because some people like the villain in The Dark Knight, just love the chaos. And he's willing to spend money to do so. In fact, he spent most of his fortune instigating chaos throughout our country, throughout many of the protests that we saw in 2020, and throughout the protests of um, Brett Kavanaugh. And he has links to several other protests throughout the recent history of the United States. This guy wants to upend the peace of this country. And he is succeeding. And this might be, I don't know, his... His great final uh, overture of disrupting the peace should the president, former president, be prosecuted. Um, At stake, though, are the lives of regular men and women, um, people who are serving their communities, such as the cop, the detective in Manhattan, Jason Rivera. This was a cop who was shot down in Harlem. Uh, in 2022 as a result of these soft on crime policies from District Attorney Alvin Bragg. His widow, Dominique Lazariaga, took to the podium at his massive funeral that was held in New York City and called out Bragg for policies that made the city unsafe. And with Bragg three rows back in the audience during her eulogy, she said the following right to him and got a standing ovation. Watch. I know you were tired of these laws, especially the ones from the new DA. I hope he's watching you speak through me right now. <laughs> and he was three rows back, standing ovation. Even the, even the clergy get up. Very sad. There you see the clergy uh, standing up now in support of this young lady. Lost her husband to a career criminal I'm because sure of soft on of crime policies. I'm sure family is tired too. But I promise, we promise that your death won't be in vain. I love you to the end of time. We'll take the watch from here. Yeah, so that's the story of Dominique Lazariaga and several others who are mortified with Alvin Bragg. Instead of prosecuting real criminals, instead of keeping streets safe, instead of making sure that people don't get out on bail easily and 
felonies are just ignored. This guy actually is enabling lawlessness and criminality and then going as a paid stooge of George Soros after the former president. So, of course, I do have thoughts. That's what the deep end is here for. They are my thoughts. You're more than willing to disagree with them. But I have a couple of questions. And here's an interesting question about this whole situation. Is this wag the dog? In 1997, a movie came out called Wag the Dog, and it's become kind of a cultural euphemism ever since. The movie was based on a president who had had an illicit affair with, an, a, with a minor. And to avoid the scandal from breaking in the news uh, organization, the president hired a Hollywood producer to, to kind of manufacture this war in Albania and then also write up this script that would take place in real life, well, at least looked like it was real life, where there would be a hero who would win the war, suffer imprisonment, and then ultimately be released through the wise political maneuvering of the president. And thus the term wag the dog. In other words, make sure that we get the country focused on something over here so that nobody focuses on what's going wrong with the president over on this side of the cultural landscape. And I bring that up because the Biden family is now confirmed to be getting big payments from Chinese officials. This is from Yahoo News. Biden family received more than $1 million from Hunter Associate after 2017 China Wire. This is from the House Oversight Committee. Members of the Biden family received more than $1 million in payments from accounts related to Hunter Biden's business associate, Rob Walker, and their Chinese business ventures in 2017. Subpoenaed financial records obtained by the White House or by the House Oversight Committee reveal. So this is uh, Chairman James Comer. He obtained the records from Bank of America and revealed that at least three family members received lucrative payments from a bank account belonging to Walker. That account is labeled as Robinson Walker LLC. And one of the family members is Hallie Biden, the widow of President Biden's son, Beau, who, if you don't know or aren't familiar with, also was the lover of Hunter Biden after her husband's death. <sighs> what a weird family. Anyway... Is this wag the dog? Are we just supposed to pay attention over here? Oh, both right and left are going to pay attention. The, the, the left is going to pay attention with, with, with you know, bloodthirstiness that, that their most vile, wicked, hated president is going to finally be arrested for all the crimes that he's committed. Uh, and then the right is going to res respond with revolt and protest. And do we get another January 6th out of the whole deal? Because they're going to, I don't know, storm the DA's office in Manhattan and cause a ruckus and possibly be let in by authorities so that it looks much worse than it actually is. I would suggest that that is possibly quite the case. Like everything is being ignored now. Everything, even my channel right now is being hijacked by this story. You, nobody's talking about East Palestine and the, and the corruption there. Nobody's talking about uh, the, the, the corruption with the, <laughs> with the Chinese spy balloon spying over our country for an entire week. No, nobody cares about that anymore because it's wag the dog season. Here's my second question about this whole in, uh, environment. Is this propping up the preferred Republican candidate for the next election cycle, uh, a.k.a. 2024? Yes, 2024, believe it or not, the election cycle is the presidential election season is about to ramp up. It usually starts around May the previous year, and we are just a month and a half removed from that. Now, now please remember this one fact, and this is true. The Democrats and the Democrat National Committee paid big money to campaign for Republican opponents in primaries. 
In other words, there was a good Republican that was going to run for that office, and there was a bad one. There was one that nobody would vote for, and they paid money for the bad one to win against the good one. And these are examples are Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania, Doug Mastriano for governor of Pennsylvania. The, the DNC has poured money into their campaigns to make sure that they won their primaries, and then they became the preferred candidate to run against the Democrat uh, candidate. Now, say what you want about the Democrats. They are very smart for doing this. I mean, honestly, it's strategic. It's, you know, what you probably should try to do to win, a, to win elections against your opponents. My question here is this. Does the DNC believe that Trump is the most beatable candidate in 2024? I submit to you that they do. And the reason why is because, number one, they've already beaten him. Uh, number two, the guy can't not take an interview. I mean, he... <laughs> Trump repeatedly takes interviews with with journalists who hate him and then make millions of dollars writing books about what they talked about with him. Uh, Bob Woodward, if you will, uh, Maggie Haberman Haberman of the New York Times. These these journalists have open access to this guy. So he gets the nomination and then the books get produced and then the the leaks start happening again. And this guy is tainted once more in ways that you never knew could he could be tainted before as without even relation to how he was tainted in in previous times, whether it be the Russian collusion hoax or the Ukraine quid pro quo claim or whatever other things they have labeled against this guy. I absolutely do believe this. I do. Call me a tinfoil hat wearing preacher, but I think that the Democrats love Trump. They, they want to generate sympathy for this guy, and he will get sympathy. He will get sympathy because even Elon Musk tweeted out shortly after finding out about this indictment that if he is indicted, he is going to win in a landslide victory in 2024. I highly doubt that. I think... As much as I disagree with Democratic policies, I think they're way smarter than Republicans and they're way better at winning elections. They should have gotten wiped out in the midterms in 2022 and they didn't. They almost kept the House and they gained seats in the Senate. So love them or hate them, the Democrats know what they're doing. And I think they do want Trump to be the guy. I think they know the game plan. I think they have the the. Uh, the, the, the pieces in order in order to make him look absolutely more vile than they've already made him out to be to look. And they want him to be the guy. That brings me to Ron DeSantis or um, Nikki Haley or Vivek uh, Ramaswamy, who are definitely better options, all three, in my opinion, better options than Donald Trump in 2024. I know many of you would disagree with me about that, but in my opinion, you just don't want him on the ticket again. You don't. There's too much baggage. There's too many things. There's too many hangups. There's too much talking. There's too much tweeting. There's too much narcissism in this man to serve the public's interest. And I think that we should be better than this and we should not fall for it if you are a Republican-leaning or conservative-leaning voter like I am. And again, whoever wins as Christians, we are required to pray for them. We're required to pray for President Biden. We're required to pray for every a politician who is leading our country right now because scripture demands that in first timothy chapter two first of all prayer supplications thanksgivings be made for everyone especially them that are in power and authority so that we might be living in peace and might preach the gospel so that the ultimate cause of the church preaching the gospel and making disciples might happen ultimately politics we want to pray for peace that's really what we want to pray for. We want to pray that there is no riot in the streets of Manhattan. We want to pray for the right man to be elected to office or the right woman to be elected to office. And we want to pray that Christians and godly people can live in peace with their unbelieving neighbors who may have voted differently than them or with them. But we need to be here as the church representing the gospel of Jesus Christ, not uh, political grandstanding. And so that's my point, though, about Trump. I just think 
there's too much baggage. There's too many difficulties with electing him. And I think that the Democrats see the writing on the wall and they absolutely want him to be the candidate. That's my opinion. You can disagree with it at your leisure. That's what this show is for. Let me know in the comments what you think. Here's another question. Is this a distraction from the more important matters of our country's national security? Yes as in the open border that is allowing fentanyl to flow in into the southern border and destroy lives. Uh, the cities that are currently unsafe through these district attorneys elected through George Soros funding uh, or ESG and DEI programs that are being foisted upon you in your workplace, uh, reconstituting a national conversation about what it means to be worthy of a job, worthy of a scholarship, worthy of a college admission, no longer based on your merit, but based on your skin color and sexual attraction. This is the redefinition of our country from a beautiful republic to a banana republic. That's where we are. And you say, well, how does this affect me? This doesn't affect me. It does. And it will. First off, this has never happened in American history before. It has never happened before. No president has ever been indicted in history. Bill Clinton paid Paula Jones $850,000 to be quiet about sexual assault in 2000, no, sorry, in 1994, yeah. Uh, she went public with the story in 1997 and thus the impeachment proceedings against uh, Bill Clinton, but no one said a thing um, in, the, uh, in prosecuting the, the president. No one indicted him. Hillary Clinton paid for the Steele dossier in 2016 <clears throat> that was found to be factual. The Steele dossier was anything but factual. And she was forced to pay a fine for her involvement in producing that fake dossier against Donald Trump. And she was never prosecuted. She was never indicted. Uh, it's just an amazing thing how often the judicial system only works against one political party. And if you don't see this happening, then you will be shocked when it hits home with you. It's going to change everything. It really does change a lot. If our leaders politicize the justice system against their opponents, you do not have a democracy. You have a totalitarian regime. Now, consider just in the small nature how this is going to happen. How is it going to affect you? Social credit scores. Like, for instance, this channel. This channel <laughs> gets squashed, gets throttled, gets uh, uh, our episodes get deplatformed because we're not afraid to take on these controversial topics and call out these ridiculous inequities uh, regarding truth and justice in our country. And consequently, we have a hard time promoting and advertising on YouTube for that very reason. In fact, many of our recent episodes have been taken down within moments of being produced or actually premiered on YouTube.com. But down the line, it will trickle to you. Consider this social score issue that um, I saw on Twitter today. This is a guy named Michael Clary. He writes about his, dollar, his daughter's scholarship application. And he says, could they make their agenda more obvious? The op options for sexual identity, look at them. LGBT, LGBT ally, other, or prefer not to answer. Gee, I wonder which one does not get through the first level filter of scholarship applications. <laughs> this is what's happening in our country. And it's going to trickle down to you. It's probably already in your company. Just raise your hand if you've had to be forced through some DEI protocol, some ESG protocol in your company to make sure that you are aligning with the cultural narrative. And if you are not, you are considered a pariah on the wrong side of history and you will be ousted and shamed and vilified and marginalized and lose opportunities that you might have merited based on your philosophy, your, ide your ideas, your thought. The thought police are coming for you. And I know they're going to come for you in this country because they're already coming for Christians in other countries. And I've talked about it before, but we need to talk about England once again. And that brings me to the Deep End follow-up. The, 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 the Deep End follow-up. 
inclusivity is a lie. If you don't believe the right things, that this cultural powerhouse woke scold mantra narrative believes, then you will be excluded because you don't even have the right to pray silently in your head in England anymore. Remember we reported about this? This is Isabel von Spruce, a Catholic pro-life volunteer who was arrested outside an abortion clinic for praying in her head. Now, she was arrested. Uh, she was brought into the jail. She was um, later exonerated. The charges were dropped against her. There was no law that was actually broken. And contrary to what people postulated on social media, she did not encroach upon the safety zone where she wasn't allowed to be. But kind of shameful that she was arrested for praying silently in her head. Anyway, um, not to be stopped, Isabel went back to the very same place and prayed again. And she was recently arrested again in Birmingham, England. Oh, this is unbelievable. And so this footage, just shameful. This guy right here, this guy has to be the most shameful police officer in the world. Antagonizing her, questioning her, treating her like she's a villain. This woman, by the way, Isabel uh, Von Spruce, uh, she's making Peter, Paul, and John proud. She's making Paul proud. She's making real believers proud as she stands for truth, even silently in her head, praying for the safety, for the life of unborn children, which are often considered a burden to those who wish to abort them. That's our world right now. Consider the story out of Vermont. Christian high school girls basketball team forfeits playoff because transgender student on opposing team jeopardizes the fairness of the game and safety of the players. <laughs> no duh. This is a mid-Vermont Christian high school and that's a varsity girls basketball team and they said we're not going to play in the state championship. We're not going to play because a member of the opposing team is a man. Uh, so state law in Vermont allows the man to play in girls sports. And in a statement to Fox News, Fogg wrote, we withdrew from the tournament because we believe playing against an opponent with a biological male jeopardizes the fairness of the game and the safety of our players. Allowing biological males to participate in women's sports sets a bad precedent for the future of women's sports in general. And what did they, what happened to this Vermont school for standing for truth? Well, they have been booted from future participation in any sports tournaments in the state. NBC News reporting, school that refused to play team with trans player is barred from tournaments. So that's what you get when you stand for truth in our country right now. This is happening much more in foreign countries, but it is increasingly happening in America. You will be punished for standing for your Christian faith. Consider back to England, the Telegraph reporting a Christian lecturer was sacked over homosexuality invading the church tweet. Aaron Edwards, a seven-year-long professor at Cliff College in Derbyshire, England, was fired for posting this tweet. Homosexuality is invading the church. Evangelicals no longer see the severity of this because they're busy apologizing for their apparently barbaric homophobia, whether it's true or not. This is a gospel issue, by the way. If sin is no longer sin, we no longer need a savior. Uh, he says, anyone concerned about academic freedom, Christian freedoms, and free speech should be deeply concerned by what has happened to me, he told The Telegraph, and he is 100% right. By the way, most ironic of all, Cliff College is a Methodist university. <laughs> it's a Methodist-based school. Like I said, the Inclusivity Club uh, is not truly inclusive. Yeah, it's uh, exclusively inclusive to everyone who shares their views exclusively. Yes, that's the inclusivity club. Now, it's important at this moment 
that we make sure that there is a clear distinction between those who wish harm upon those who don't agree with them and those who do not, because they do exist. Even in the technically inclusivity club, there are many homosexuals who do not agree with this move, who do not agree with these movements and these trends. And I want to point out some of them. I actually call them the homosexual heroes, and they are there. Christians, we do not vilify homosexuals. We do not hate homosexuals. We believe that Jesus loves them, died for them, wants to save them from their sin and bring them home to heaven should they repent and turn to him. We do not validate their sin. We do not affirm sin as we would affirm no one's sin, including our own. But we do not hate or reject them. We do not despise them. They are not the enemy. The ideology we disagree with, but we do not hate them. And there are many of them who are outspoken now. They're starting to, at least, become outspoken about the intolerance of the inclusivity club. I give you people like uh, Maggie 45 or Maggie 45. I don't know how to say the name. That's her name on uh, TikTok here. She is defending people like you and me, even though she is a lesbian who I believe is married. Watch what she says here. All of you who are surprised by the hate that the LGBT community has been receiving in the recent weeks, I want to ask you, uh, like, why are you surprised? Uh, what did you think would have happened when you decided to go after the kids? And then we told you to leave the kids alone and you just won't listen. So, surprise, surprise. Can I tell you the truth? I would give up my right to marry uh, uh, a woman if it means that kids will be protected from transitioning and indoctrination and the sexualization. How about that? Wow. Um, amazing to say I'd give up my right to marry a woman if you would stop sexualizing the kids. Uh, by the way, what an amazing concession to offer. I would give up my right to marry for you to stop doing this because it makes you think that maybe deep down inside, as I believe this is the case for all homosexuals, no matter what they say on the outside, deep down inside, they know that this this whole marriage thing is not really marriage. Uh, and we shouldn't have <laughs> redefined marriage. I, I really believe that deep down inside, if you put Sonia Pedithal in the most avowed pro-gay marriage homosexual, they would say, yeah, that's not really marriage. It really isn't. Marriage is for procreation, and you cannot procreate with two men and two women. And I get it that some heterosexuals cannot procreate, but it does not mean now that you redefine the institution because of a few who cannot procreate. Anyway, um, there are more than just her. Uh, this is another man who, uh, the person's name is Matt Ray. I say person because this is a born woman now identifying as a man who went to a school board meeting and said the following standing up against the trend towards transing the kids watch my name is matt ray i'm the western regional leader for gays against groomers i live here in arizona with my american wife and i'm a big fan of this country which is why we chose to live here i'm 31 years old and i am a trans man biologically i am female something i feel obligated to state because biology matters i'm not ashamed of that I'm here today because I am utterly embarrassed by what the trans movement has become. The trans community is a minority. Not everyone is going to accept us, and we have to be respectful of that. I thought that was common sense, but these days it's considered hateful, which I don't understand. I don't find it appropriate or necessary that underage children are being exposed to gender ideology and trans identities. My parents gave me a chance to express myself, but would never indulge my feelings growing up. Instead, they allowed me to get to know myself in order to make a conscious choice as an adult. At the time, I thought they were cruel for not affirming how I felt as a child. But today, I couldn't be more grateful for the fact that they did that. I could have changed my mind. If they had helped me transition underage, something could have gone wrong and then I would have resented them forever. 
A lot of kids today aren't being given that chance. They are being manipulated by people who are acting from a place of unresolved trauma. I understand many of them mean well, but I can't tell you how dangerous it is to allow children to access hormones or puberty blockers. The idea that puberty can be paused without repercussions is a blatant lie. Side effects include brain swelling, loss of bone density, vision loss, increased risk of cancer and sterilization. Lupron, one of the drugs being used to block puberty, is also used to chemically castrate paedophiles. That's what's being done to children. The adults who enable this should know better, but instead they're encouraging rebellion and driving a wedge into families because of their own feelings and experiences. It is disgusting to push these ideologies on innocent children who can't consent, and it's disgusting to take away a parent's ability to safeguard their child. If you genuinely believe that children can consent to such a big life-altering decision, I dread to think what else you think they can consent to. I have experienced side effects and complications from transitioning as an adult that I would not wish on my worst enemy, let alone a child. Side effects that even doctors weren't knowledgeable enough to tell me about. If you're encouraging underage kids to do this to themselves in order to validate it in special, you truly don't comprehend the damage you are doing to future generations. Simply put, it is selfish and wrong to push this indoctrination, medicalization and sexualization onto children because of your own personal beliefs. I am here to prove that even people in the LGBT community do not approve of pushing gender ideology on kids. I didn't move to this country to watch this forced acceptance happen. I won't stand for it and I strongly urge the board to make education appropriate again. Amazing. They're out there and they're heroes and they should be talked about and they should be elevated. Their voices should be elevated because they speak from experience. They speak in a way that I cannot speak. And notice what he said there. He'd experienced, he's already experienced tremendous side effects that the doctors did not even have knowledge of since he has trans transitioned medically. You're not supposed to do this. No matter what anybody says, transitioning from a male to a female, first of all, is impossible. Number two, it is very dangerous. Number three, you don't have any idea what you're getting into. You're getting into a lifelong experience of tragedy. And these people need help. They need prayer. They need compassion. They need Jesus, of course, absolutely. But they need the church and, and people who um, are willing to do so step up and speak the truth now more than ever before and especially fight for the kids. And if you think it's not happening, it's happening. It's happening everywhere. It's happening even under your nose, ladies and gentlemen. Those of you who have Netflix at home, consider the cartoon Ridley Jones. This is a Indiana Jones kind of spoof uh, Night of the Museum kind of spoof show directed to kids. And it has, I kid you not, as one of his characters, a non-binary bison <laughs> who needs to inform other livestock that they need to respect their pronouns. Watch. Fred. That's because I'm non-binary. And Fred is the name that fits me best. And I also use they and them because calling me a she or a he doesn't feel right to me. I'm sorry I used the wrong name and pronouns. Holy smokes. <laughs> this is insanity. The good news is that the show has been canceled. Um, and it has been canceled because of an outcry, this reported in the mirror, from those who do not want this garbage in their homes and especially in their kids' ears. Even the IMD page, which often pays for positive reviews on questionable content in entertainment, cannot fight the overwhelming negative rejection of the program. Uh, it has like a 2.5 rating out of 10. Now you'll notice that there are a few 10 votes for this program, 93, 10 votes, and then the, the vast majority, 553 are, are ones. Um, I go to IMDb often when I see, you know, indoctrination programming, and I just wanted to do a little bit of a deep diver into the user reviews for this show. You'll never believe who gave it the highest rating? What demographic? Let me ask you. Let me ask you <laughs> to guess. What demographic do you think gave the highest scores to the non-binary bison show? <laughs> Millennial women. 
millennial women, age 30 to 44, 6.5 on average out of 10. <laughs> Young ladies, what are you doing? The trans movement is erasing your sports, your scholarships, your rights, your opportunities, your merited favor in this life. And you're just like proud of it. Or maybe these are, I don't know, maybe they are men who now identify as women. That's possibly the case, actually. Uh, maybe actually that's probably more likely the case. But if you are a millennial woman, you, you got to get your head right because this is happening and it is insanity. And you need to speak up. You're future moms, right? But this is Netflix just trying to just throw this nonsense at the kids. The creator of the show is named Chris Nee. She has been involved in children's shows since Blue's Clues 2001, all the way to Doc McStuffins uh, more recently. And she's from, uh, she went from a small time influencer to a uh, very prominent uh, Hollywood producer. And she said, I am here to change the world or retire trying. I know what it is to be othered. My job is to show the world as I want it to be. So she's coming for your kids. She's absolutely about that. And she's not going to stop. And it's amazing how often that's the case with those who are on this side of the issue. I bring you again news from the beloved HHS Deputy Secretary, Richard Levine, who calls himself Rachel. He is pushing castration drugs on kids and making sure that kids can transition before puberty. But he himself is glad that he had kids before he transitioned. Yes, exactly. Rules for me, but not for thee. So I'm glad I cut my penis off after I had kids, but I'm here to promote the government taking, making sure that your 12-year-old can cut off his penis before they can have kids. What an absolute sicko. And people need to speak up about it and call them out on it because there is a fight to be had here. And the fight needs to be had in a way that is intellectual, knowledgeable, biblically, and relevant. Uh, I give you a guy now in England who is fighting, who is stepping up, who is speaking up and is getting vilified and adored for doing so. His name is Calvin Robinson. He is a vicar in the Church of England. And he stood up at Oxford University to fight for the biblical arguments against homosexuality. And what he does here is wonderful and brilliant. And we're going to watch the whole speech at six minutes long because it is that good. You need to listen to how he makes the argument against same-sex unions in the church as the Church of England now starts to bless same-sex unions or allow um, uh, its ministers to bless same-sex unions. He stands up at Oxford in front of the student body and says the following, let's watch. The Bible backs all of this up. It's very clear throughout on this matter, whether it's nine verses or 32,000 verses, marriage is between one man and one woman for the purposes of procreation. Sex outside of marriage is a sin, and that is the same for heterosexuals as it is for homosexuals, although the Bible is quite clear that same-sex relations are abhorrent. And before some smart Alec starts ask, asking me the question of whether I'm wearing mixed fabrics, there is a difference between the moral laws and ceremonial laws. Pay attention here. Did you see what he just said? Some smart Alec is going to talk about mixed fabrics because one of the arguments you're going to get from the pro-homosexual side is, oh, well, Leviticus says no lying with a man as with a woman, but then three verses later, no shellfish and no mixed fabric clothing. But there's reasonable arguments why... <laughs> <laughs> there are differences in those laws, number one, and reasons for those laws in the ancient Israelite context, number two. But most importantly, and the easiest one of all, is what Robinson is about to say. There's a moral law that flows from the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament and is not to be upended. So watch. And Christ did come to fulfill the old laws. Both the issues of marriage and homosexuality, however, are still addressed in the New Testament. 
in Paul's epistles, but also in the Gospels. Jesus does talk of marriage in Mark and Matthew, both in the context of heterosexual union. So my question to the bishops would be, do we not believe in the authority of scriptures anymore? Can we pick and choose which parts of the gospel we adhere to? There you go. That's the issue. Can we pick and choose? If we're going to start upending scriptural truth in one area, then what other areas are up for grabs, a.k.a. women pastors? By the way, again, the Anglican Church just ordained women about uh, 10 or 15 years ago, and now you have the evolution to uh, affirming homosexuality. And then the evolution will lead to affirming drag queen story hour. This is where it's going. Anyway, go on. The church, after all, is Christ's bride, as we heard earlier. Jesus is described as the bridegroom, so that we may know how he relates to us. Two grooms would be pointless. Christ is already in union with the Father and the Holy Spirit. It's us he's inviting in. Two brides is what we're looking at here. The church is attempting to marry itself. Oh, boom. The church is attempting to marry itself. I've said this on the channel. Homosexuality is ultimate idolatry because you can't even consider giving yourself sexually to somebody who is not like you. You have to have somebody who is like you because you worship yourself so much that you're only in love with your own sexual presentation. And he just does a brilliant job here in front of the student body at Oxford University. Wonderful, wonderful. Go on. Leave Christ out of the picture. We are directly talking about undermining God's plan as he has revealed it to us. We're replacing his authority with our own. If marriage is no longer between one man and one woman, are we open to the idea of polygamy? We disregard the heterosexual aspect, so why not the monogamous aspect too? If love is love, as we keep hearing, who's to say that three men loving each other is not more love than two men loving each other? Who's to say that, um, I don't know, um, a mother and a son loving each other isn't love? If love is love, like it, love is love is such a stupid, stupid statement. I hate it. Love is not love. Love is defined by what God has demonstrated in the son. Jesus Christ. God demonstrates his own love, Romans 8, 5, 8, in this, that he gave his son for us while we were yet sinners. Anyway, he gets a little bit of a woohoo there, and I think it was a good woohoo, but it might have been for polygamy based on the trajectory of England. Who knows? Anyway, go on. Shame, degeneracy. And I'm sure someone in this chamber has echoed the words love is love tonight and this is not about love being love this is about marriage the sacrament of holy matrimony it is directly connected to love but it's not the definition of love too many people utter those words and confuse the meaning of love agape the biblical context of love is a divine love it's a sacrificial love it's not lustful people often conflate sex with love it's very disingenuous we've heard quite a bit of that but then of course atheists often pirate the words God is love, and we've heard that one tonight too, again, without any understanding. Yes, God is love, but he sets the terms, not us. Another one we've heard plenty of is inclusivity. Should the church be more inclusive? Again, it's a play of words. It's, it's virtue signaling. It's to appear good rather than to be good. The church should absolutely be inclusive. Christ spent time with tax collectors and prostitutes, but it is they who went away changed, not Christ. We are mm. fallen, therefore we are all sinners. The church is open to sinners, of course it is. That's the purpose of the church. But it should not be to encourage people to continue to sin. Our duty as clerics is to help lead people to Christ, to lead them away from sin, not to embrace it, not to affirm it. I know many LGB people, I know many LGB people who live lives in Christ, 
They abstain from sexual gratification to be closer to God. And it's not easy. It really isn't. It's perhaps not fair, but it is right and it is good. And these people are being let down. I've had people crying, saying, I could have got married, but I did what the church taught me was right. And now the church is saying they were wrong all along. Okay, this is an amazing argument and presentation here because he says something that is absolutely true. To all the churches that are caving on this issue, for years you said it was wrong, and many people now past the age of romantic love interest are the ones who denied themselves intentionally following Christ, and then you come back and literally slap them in the face and say, nope, actually we were wrong the whole time. You could have had same-sex unions, and shame on us, but uh, sucks to be you, and we're moving on. That's literally such a valid uh, presentation. Well done. I've wasted my life. As Christians, we're called to be in the world, but not of the world. The trap that we're falling into in this debate is looking at the church through the eyes of the world rather than through his kingdom. In the secular world, we already have equality in law. People can enter civil partnerships or even gay marriage outside of the church, and that's their prerogative. However, the faith is inherently discriminatory. God is discriminatory. He sets yes. conditions on us entering his heavenly kingdom. Yes. It is not a free-for-all. We must turn away from sin, repent, and follow Christ. And I want to specify, it is the sin that is the problem, not the sinner. Every single person is loved by God, and God forgives all of us of our depravity. But we have to turn away from our sins and turn toward him. And it seems the panel opposite me has forgotten to separate the sin from the sinner. One can denounce sin while still welcoming the sinner. So as I wrap up, my message to the proposing side is, do not lead us astray. Do not lead people astray. Do not be the wolves in sheep's clothing. Do not be the false teachers that the Bible warns us about. Remember your obligation to defend the faith. Stop teaching about diversity, inclusion, and equality, and get back to teaching about redemption and salvation. Oh, oh, that's gold. <laughs> Seriously, you know? As Vody Bakum says, any sermon on, human, on, on homosexuality dies the deaths of a thousand qualifications because every preacher has to say, well, before I talk about it, let me say I have so many gay friends and I have so many people that I love that are gay and gay people are awesome and they, there's nobody like gay people. They're the best people on the planet. But, but, you know, I know God is kind of against it. So I guess I got to say it. Like, you know, man, stop. Just preach truth. Jesus Christ saves sinners. If there is no sin, there is no solution to sin necessary. Anyway, moving on. This is spiritual neglect. Help people by telling them the truth. Be kind to people by supporting them through those struggles and reminding them that Christ suffers with them. And be compassionate by leading them to Christ when the world tries to lead them away from him. The church is imploding and the faithful masses have stopped turning up on Sundays and we are seeing the most rapid decline of Christianity in this country that we may have ever seen. Do not act... Now, consider that what he admits there is right, and especially the Church of England is rapidly declining, and they've become only more progressive and more affirming of sexual sin, and yet they're still declining. Like At some point, you've got to stop doing the same thing and getting the same results, or you are clinically insane. Yes? Good point. Accelerate it with heresy. You do not have the authority to bless sin. When I hear the Bishop mm. of London on record saying these new prayers will mean priests can bless same-sex relationships, some of which may be sexual in nature, I hear the devil at work. Mm. Bishops are promoting the idea of sacramental sodomy. Let them be anathema. Repent. And to the rest of you, I have no doubt that some of you will consider me a bigot or a transphobe or a homophobe, but I am neither of those things, none of those things. I am simply a follower of Christ, a Christian. And we are naturally countercultural. And if so-called liberals were truly diverse and tolerant, they would embrace us just as they embrace everyone else. And the but inclusivity is a lie.
not right now, I'm just wrapping up. And the point has been made, but the growing Christophobic attitude around this public debate and the ugly level of, of hypocrisy is that we really see people hold Muslims and people of other faiths to the same expectations that they hold Christians to. Yep. Who is calling, except my good friend here, for Islam to embrace gay marriage? Who is calling for the Quran to be updated to modern societal norms? It is the same, mind your language, it is the same patronizing attitude of people of other, that treat other faiths, patronize other faiths while being intolerant towards Christians at the same time. It's a shame, but in the words of St. Athanasius of Alexandria, if the world is against the truth, then I am against the world. Phenomenal. St. Athanasius is also a hero of the faith, literally saved the uh, theological construct of uh, Christ's divinity for the church for all time. And to quote him at the end is brilliant. Calvin Robinson, Reverend Calvin Robinson of the Church of England, still standing for the truth in a church that is abandoning it left, right and center. And that is what we need more now than ever before. And it's a golden opportunity. I mean, this speech went viral. This went around all over the place. Uh, and he's going to get interviews all over the place because he stood up against the tide of cultural trends and shifts in the in the church. And he did a great job saying, I'm talking about the church here. I'm not talking about the culture. The culture can do what it wants. The civil government can do what it wants with marriage, but the church must not follow culture. The church must change culture, influence culture, stand apart from culture. And that is what we do. Anyway, it's a fight that we're going to have to have. If you don't want to have the fight too bad, you're going to have the fight because it's going to come to your home. It's going to come to your child's scholarship application. It's going to come to your, I don't know, application for a preschool someday. Are you an affirming parent? Because if you're not, then we are not going to allow you to have your child in the school. And more and more, if we stay silent and we do nothing, if we do not, if we do not take up the battle, we will suffer the consequences. Edmund Burke, the only thing necessary for evil to triumph in any generation is for good men and women to do nothing. Uh, that is that talk on politics, and we've done the follow-up, and now I'm going to do a, con a segment that we haven't done in a while because I, I, am, I am really psyched up about this, and I'm going to close with this. Pastor Recommends. i got a great movie to talk about. All right, Pastor Recommends. This, I haven't done this segment in a long time, but let me recommend to you a movie that I saw on Netflix. Speaking of Netflix, there are some good shows, and I don't know if you're like me, but I have a hard time finding ones that are worth the watch. Usually they have this... Um, this ridiculous sex scene up front and so that's meant to hook you and then you stay in for the storyline because storylines are so weak up front that they don't have time uh, to develop it or people are impatient to see the storyline develop and so they have to i don't know tantalize you with sex scenes in order to get you to buy into the show well this show this movie that i watched that i am about to recommend i cannot recommend enough i have not been this moved by a movie in a long time and the movie that i'm talking about is true spirit it is currently on Netflix. It was released, I think, on February 3rd. It is the true story, or the, 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 the movie version of the true story of Jessica Watson, the youngest person ever to sail solo nonstop around the world in a sailboat. Uh, it was written and directed by Sarah Spillane. This is uh, an important fact only because it is Women's History Month, and why not talk about women who are succeeding in uh, cultural endeavors? The movie opens up, however, with a trial run which fails and makes everyone in the world doubt uh, Jessica Watson, and she's even ridiculed and mocked, and she deals with her struggles with dyslexia and working through that as a navigational pilot of a sailboat. And the best part is the lesson that the movie offers on what it means 
and this is important, to follow your dreams. Like when we talk about following your dreams, I think we have like this view of it that is so um, saccharine. And she has to follow her dreams, but realizes that her dreams require lots of hard work, uh, pushing through haters, uh, doubters, critics, voices that scorn you, and even pushing through your own insecurities. So moms and dads, sit down with your teenagers and force them to watch this movie. If you already watched it, let me know what you think in the comments below, but I absolutely loved it. Like I said, I haven't been moved by a movie in that much in a long time. It was fantastic, worth the time. True Spirit, a Netflix film. That's the show, everybody. I'm so glad that you were here. And uh, if you haven't already been to the store, get over to timhatchlive.com and check out the new swag that we have available. Support the channel with the Cash App or timhatchlive.com slash support. Your support helps us advertise and get this content further than it's ever been before. I am always uh, encouraged by the emails that you send and the comments that you write in and let me know how this content is helping you. If you don't want to support, one of the best ways that you can support is just sending me a note of thanks for the content being produced. It really brings um, a lot of joy to my, my heart. Tomorrow is up for grabs. I am going to try to get the deep dive in. Pray for me that I will, but I might not. So stay tuned to the channel and also click the like button and the subscribe button and the notification bell. That notification bell is the way you'll know if there's a deep dive tomorrow. We will let you know earlier in the day, sometime around 4 p.m., but if it's on or not, but if all else fails, if you're subscribed through the uh, channel and you have the notification bell clicked, you will get notified on your smartphone. Uh, also, 10 questions with Tim. Send your questions in so that we can get that done on the first Thursday of April. Man, it's already almost April. The, the Earth is rotating faster and faster around, uh, orbiting faster and faster around the sun every year, or I'm just getting old. Anyway, that's the show. Thank you for being here, guys. God bless you, and we will see you possibly tomorrow night for the deep dive.